Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training on this very special episode. Uh, Drew is in Michigan and I am not. I am in Salt Lake City where franchisee Mike Rompel has just purchased 21 stores and Mike is going to be our special guest host today. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Sam? I am fantastic. You've got 22 stores, if I'm correct, in uh, the beautiful state of Hawaii, right? 24 now. 24? Yeah, we opened two more. Since I was there? We were opening one when you were there, and right. we had just opened one right before you came. Oh, my goodness gracious. So I guess the big question is, uh, you've got 24 stores in quite possibly the most beautiful state in the Union. And not that Salt Lake City is ugly by any means. The mountains are beautiful. But it's not even cold yet, and you're running around here with a knit hat. What in the world was going through your mind when you thought about buying 21 stores here in Salt Lake City? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we all go through these times in our careers where we're trying to decide whether we stay or we go. One of the things along the way I always learned is it's a great time to get into Domino's Pizza and it's a great time to get out of Domino's Pizza. You just have to figure out which one is right for you. And so I was kind of thinking I would retire. Uh, Not that many years ago, I thought, you know what, I've done what I wanted to do and more beyond my wildest dreams. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, maybe I got 10 more years left in me. And so I was looking for a 10-year project. I don't know if we'll get it done in 10 years here, (laughs) but I definitely was intrigued by the opportunity. And I thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity for me to show a lot of my team that hadn't been there since the beginning and my own kids that haven't seen it since the beginning. What really is the Domino's business? It's not, you know, palm trees and beaches and everything they live now. There's a real side, a real gritty side to the Domino's business. And repairing stores is how we got to where we are today. It's just a lot of them didn't see that. They just saw the expansion of these great new stores, and the expansion of this incredible team. They never saw it in its raw um, Domino's form. You know, I've been out here now for a couple of weeks and Drew is out here for, for 20 days. And I would say that, you know, if your team hasn't seen the raw Domino's, they're seeing it now. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think it's opened a lot of their eyes. It's definitely opened my eyes to really realize how awesome my team is. When you build it store by store, manager by manager, team member by team member, it's not as apparent as when you walk into a situation and go, this is not right. So I think I've, not only are they waking up to realizing how challenging it can be, I'm also waking up to realizing how awesome they are and, and that they, that they want to be here. That, you know, you would go from Hawaii, 84 every day, to snow last week, and our guys are freezing, just like me. So 
yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. I think it says a lot about a lot of things. Um, and yeah, I, I think, uh, I think it's definitely, uh, going to be eye-opening. So I think a lot of folks that, that listen to us and thank you all for listening are going through similar things that the team in Salt Lake City is going through now. Sometimes a lack of resources. And by that, I mean skills that they need to do the job right or training or support. What I'm seeing a lot in these in these stores is that they're really grateful for the things that you've provided. And when I say the things, I don't mean the new uniforms and the new hot bags and painting the stores like we've done. What I mean is the emotional support and the training. So as you come into a market like this, where there's just an enormous amount of opportunity, how do you prioritize what you're going to do to spend the little time that we have each and every day to fix what's so many opportunities out there to fix? And obviously we can't fix them all. How do you go about prioritizing that for the team and making sure that they are feeling like there's some wins in there every now? Yeah, so everybody in the business says the most important asset in their business is the people. And then we say that, and then we talk about everything else. Oh, the cost of this, the cost of that, the rising this, the rising that. I think after all these years and and this project in Salt Lake, part of the reason why I'm still in the business is because when my 12-year-old was 10, he said he wanted to inherit the Domino's business, right? So then that gave me another 10-year plan, 15-year plan, really, because he was 10 years old. And then I said, okay, he's going to have to learn it the right way. And we had accomplished everything I ever set out to accomplish in Hawaii and Domino's in life and everything. And then I said, well, what if I ran the business like I was a 10-year-old who wanted to own the pizza business, where... Nothing mattered except what was fun and cool about the pizza business in the eyes of a 10-year-old instead of an old, grumpy business person that might forget some of those things, right? And so when we talk about the people are the most important thing, when we make decisions, then we make those decisions based on, look, it's 32 degrees outside. What is most important to the people right now? We better order 500 knit caps, two for me and one for everybody else. Okay. And then, you know, just the jackets, you know, people are trying to determine whether or not, how will we charge the team for jackets? I'm just like, give me a jacket, please. And so I'm thinking, okay, they probably want a jacket also. And so just simple things of, you know, we, you and I are, are the lead delivery drivers right now for 21 stores. And so when you're out there delivering little things like a car with keyless entry is infinitely better than a car with a key. So let's get company cars that have keyless entry. Let's get handbags that have the pockets so you have somewhere to put the receipt. So we don't think about it in the sense of, okay, let's draw out this great business plan and it starts with what's the most important asset, the people. Instead, we say, we are the people. We're living the life. What is most important to everybody else? Because it's most important to us right now, too. And so then, you know, we make decisions based on that. 
and and then where we are, and then how do we just get better tomorrow? We always said in our business, our job, everyone in our company's job is to build a team that executes page one. We will field a team, the best team possible for today, looking to get better tomorrow, not looking to get perfect tomorrow. Look, we all know the standards. I mean, some of them I forgot or don't know because I've been in stores for a few years. You haven't forgotten them, which is good. That's why you're here. And uh, so when I got to text you and say, hey, does Brooklyn get garlic oil? Because I don't know anymore. Um, though instead of being perfect, we just would get better tomorrow. And, and it's hard, right? It's, we, we, we've had that discussion about how hard it is for someone that knows the standards to not have the expectation of, well, I know what's perfect. How come you don't know what's perfect? And I just told you what's perfect. How come you can't be perfect tomorrow? It's a long journey, right? And so, you know, I think that's, uh, that's kind of how we're approaching it. What's most important is what's most important to the team. We can roll out any plan, any operations book, any page one we want, but only the things the team buys into get done and they all don't buy in at the same level. And so we have to slowly walk down this journey. So as we walk down the journey, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, uh, this document that I'm just in love with, and you call it page one. And for our folks that don't know what page one is, Give us a little history on page one, when you first thought it up and how you express it to your team so that they understand that, that that's what drives both Paso Pizza and Islands to Salt Lake Pizza. Yeah, so we had had three stores in the Bay Area, right? Two stores in San Francisco, one store in Mountain View. And we were basically, we were the franchisees or I was the franchisee. We were glorified managers. We ran the stores. We were able to fix those stores because we ran them every day. And so when you run them every day, at first you make every pizza until you trust someone else to make every or some pizzas. Then you deliver every pizza until you trust someone else to deliver the pizzas. And so you can hands on solve a lot of problems. So when I decided that I would move the family to Hawaii and saw the six stores that were there, actually at that time there were 11 stores, one was in the process of closing already. There were 10 stores, four of them lost most of the money. And so I figured, okay, I would buy these six that had some sort of value. And when I saw those six stores, much like the 21 stores were here, I said, how can I make this as simple as possible so that the most amount of people could buy in and that we would focus on those things 90% of the time with 90% of the team. And so then it came, I came up with page one. So it's been about 16, 17 years since we've been working on page one. I always promise there is a page two. We just haven't perfected page one. And so there's no point in writing page two. And it was in an era where we started to go to thousand page employee manuals and nobody knew any of that stuff and nobody cared. And so what's the point of having a thousand page employee manual that nobody knows any percentage of and have them sign for it? Well, look here, you signed, you know, well, yeah, I read all thousand pages last night. And so we said, hey, if, if we could simplify the business, what are the things that matter most to the business most of the time and focus on that? 
And so across the years, even though it's been a lot of years and a lot of stores and a lot of team members, we can always bring issues back to how those things are affected by page one or how they affect page one. And then where does it fit in? And should we be focusing on it or not? So when we talk about page one, for for you and I that have both been around a minute, and we remember our first CEO, the founder, Tom, I think, had a similar thing to page one. And he said that the business was all about ESI. Give the listeners just a second to see if they can figure out what that acronym stands for. But as I look at page one, and um, there's four things on it that I just really love. And the first one is we hire happy, smiling faces. And Drew and I are both really big fans of hire the smile, teach the skills. Because if we're being honest, the things that go on inside of a Domino's Pizza restaurant, if you've got a willing participant, somebody that wants to learn, there's nothing in there that can't be taught. What can't be taught is a happy, smiling face. They either have it or they don't. And we can certainly accentuate it by the atmosphere that we create inside the store, but they've got to have that. And then back to Tom, you talk about product, service, and image on page one and how important it is. And I think all of the things that have come through Domino's Pizza in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years have been just fantastic icing to the cake that is product, service, and image. And I think more and more, we're getting lost in the icing. We are so worried about load and go that we've forgotten that what we're loading into the oven is supposed to be a round pizza that meets rim size portion placement bake. So our kids running these stores all understand the process of load and go, but they don't understand the product that's going to a human being. And it doesn't matter if the pile of ingredients gets there in 14 minutes if it doesn't taste good. So we're seeing some challenges with that here in these stores. And I love the fact that, you know, we were texting back and forth earlier tonight about we, we've got to start thinking about some product classes. You know, when I toured your stores in Hawaii with Spencer, I didn't see product issues. Was everything perfect? Oh, gosh, no. It's never always perfect. I don't care who the operator is. But was it good? Was it something we could be proud of? Absolutely. And, and we've got to get to that here as well. So, you know, as you're talking to the team and hopefully a lot of them are listening tonight, tell me what your feelings are on product and, and how we get from, from where we're at today and be a little bit better tomorrow and, and get to the place where we can say, this is our pizza. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what matters to us. What matters is what matters to the customer. So the customer doesn't care about the tools they only care about what they receive. And so we use the tools to get them what's most important to them in the best way, in the shortest amount of time by the most professional looking person. So I've always been good about not inventing anything in Domino's. You know, we have the Flying Brian Spoodle, we have the stuff you guys have all invented. So I've actually invented nothing. And I'm proud of that fact. <laughs> and I've learned things from everybody else and put it into a way in which it matters to everyone. 
Mr. Monahan had that fanatical focus on operational excellence. From the first time I met him, that is all he would talk about. It was to him, he probably doesn't talk about fanatical focus on operational excellence as much as handle the rush. Right. But that was how he introduced handle the rush to us. And, and, and how what he meant by handle the rush was not just that you would make it fast and deliver it fast. He thought that it was a given that the products had to be perfect. So he didn't say necessarily at handle the rush, okay, make perfect pizzas, then make them fast. He expected them already to be to standard. He, that's why he kept the menu 13 ingredients and two sizes in code. And he, it took us a long time to get cans of Diet Coke, right? Like I remember the first time I counted inventory, like why, you know, you could just look and say, oh, I know how much stuff I have, you know, you got the cheese here, dough there, 13 toppings, Coke and Diet Coke, right? It wasn't challenging. And so he always wanted it simplified because he wanted to have those products made exactly right and then delivered very quickly. Nowadays, we, we put emphasis on the tools instead of emphasis on the results. And I get why we have the tools, but we have to look at them and say, is this a hindrance or is this better? So the way I see it and the way you see it, I would assume is, look, we had perfect weeks. People don't know what a perfect week is anymore. No, they don't. A perfect week was zero orders over 30 minutes. Zero. Now we beg them to get to 3% of extremes and we would all be fired, right? Like every time I look at the numbers, I am proud of what we have, compl- we have accomplished and disappointed in what we've become. And so we're always still striving to get to a perfect week, which we did. 30 years ago, and now 30 years later, all the technology, all the tools, all the rah-rah, we can't deliver 100% of the orders in under 45 minutes. And so that is kind of what, part of what keeps me going, part of what wants me to fix the pizza business. I feel like I know what the company was built for and what the vision of the founder was. And I just want to share that with others because it's so important, not because the numbers, but because it's when we achieve that, it's life changing to a manager and to a franchisee. If you were the only business in any, name the city, name the city in any town of the United States of America. And if you were the only company, the only brand that delivered 100% of your orders in under 30 minutes, you would dominate. You'd probably be the only brand in the city. Exactly. (laughs) No, it it wouldn't even be close. You know, the third-party aggregators, the competitors, they're not even trying to. They would be happy to be under an hour or happy to be under four. We really need to figure out what are the tools necessary to deliver 
perfect. When I say perfect products, it doesn't exist. But very, 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 very good products made to standards, proper portioning. How you say it? Rim size portion placement bake. Booyah. If we got that right and delivered every one of them in under 30 minutes, then we would have this incredible business that we haven't duplicated in 30 years. So, I mean, I think we've known each other for 10 to 15 years, but we've really only gotten to know each other over the last couple of months. Um, when you brought me to Hawaii, thank you very much. So let's see, because uh, I think we're wired much the same way. So what do you think the secret sauce is? What do you think is the difference between today's Domino's pizza and the Domino's pizza that you and I grew up with? Because there's a lot of great tools that are available now that we didn't have. And like you said, we're struggling to deliver 100% of the pizzas in under 45 minutes, let alone 30. When back the last time I ran a store, it would have been $3 off. And before that, it would have been free. So what's what do you think the big difference is? Well, so the so the secret sauce is still the people. Nice. The difference is that we accept mediocrity, right? Like there is money to be made in mediocrity. And so sometimes that's good enough. For some of us that don't go after that necessarily anymore, the drive is greatness. How good could we get it done? And could we beat the pants off of everyone? So one time, you know, when we started in Hawaii, it was it was uh, miserable, right? Much like you're seeing today. And we bought this store that we were converting from a different brand into a Domino's store. And the name of the store is Schofield Barracks. Well, it was funny for our team to call it Slowfield because the store did one million dollars in sales, but did about one million dollars in sales. And so everybody thought, oh, we'll just call that Slowfield. When I bought the store and put it there, I knew it was going to be our busiest store. At that time, we hadn't had any stores that had broken $1 million. And so we just wanted to do more. And I wanted it, I figured that we could have a $1 million store. And so then shortly after we bought the store, we went to the rally. So it was 2009. And so we went to the rally in 2010 and we saw the, um, that $100 billion wasn't good enough. All of England was doing more than $100 billion. Yeah, those guys were crazy. And the busiest stores were all in the UK doing $100 billion. And so when I went Back to the store, I said, oh, guys, we're not going to do that. One billion, gajillion, fifillion, million, million. They're like, no, what do you mean? That's crazy. So I hadn't chosen who would be the manager. 
I usually would open every store, spend time there for 40 days and figure out what type of store it's going to be, who's the right manager for that store, what kind of area it is, so I could get a feel for that store. And so I hadn't placed the manager yet. And so when I went back after the rally, I realized that the proper manager for that store was me. (laughs) Because nobody believed that the store was going to do one million dollars. And I was like, no, we have to do one hundred billion dollars. Everybody in England doing one hundred billion dollars. And so we started to run the store and build the store, change the store in a dramatic sense, not because product service image, not because of a 30 minute guarantee, but because the Domino's brotherhood, sisterhood is competitive. Yes, it is. And the greatest motivator is not always goals and dreams and money, but competition is to me and to a lot of dominoids, to a lot of us, the competition is what keeps it going. That is, you know, to me, what, why we, why we really wanted to achieve something more. And so Slowfield, long story short, Slowfield, you know, from 2009 to 2013, became the busiest store in the world. And after the rally that night, you know, everybody's up late. You know, I sent an email to Patrick and said, you know, the reason why we did it. $100 billion. sales was not because of any other reason than because we wanted to be, we wanted to compete with the brotherhood and sisterhood. We wanted to prove what the brand can do when you're just pushing 365, we're closed one day a year, 364 days a year, and just would not stop pushing. And so to me, that was greater than any other motivating factor. If it was Mike's Pizza, we would have been happy with $1 million. Because Mike's Pizza was originally goal one million dollars when it was domino's pizza the goal lost out to the competition the competition being the brotherhood and sisterhood that pushes every day to be the best pizza brand in the world that's an amazing story and uh you know i think it was at that rally as well i just kept thinking to myself how come there's nobody from the united states going up there in this top 10 and then lo and behold you guys were able to do it. So that's great. We talked earlier in the episode about resources and how you're you're pouring all kinds of resources into these stores. And that's that's just amazing. But with those resources also come some expectations. And as I travel around the country and I get to work with just fantastic franchisees all over, it seems to me that the people that are doing the very best in these very challenging times for whatever reason you think they're challenging are the ones that continue to have high expectations and hold people accountable. And one of your, your catchphrases that I've caught on to and, and I also just love is that with both the customers and the team members, you're looking for a mutually beneficial relationship. 
So as you're going into these stores, and I, you know, I think I told you this a couple of days ago when we were talking, I only work with the best of the best because they're the only ones that are willing to pay what I charge. The guys that aren't doing so well, they think they know everything and they look at what I, what I charge and they're like, that's crazy. I can't do it. Out of all these folks that I've worked with, Mike, I have never met anybody that is as direct with their team as you are. And I don't mean that like, like you're mean and you're you know, a bulldog constantly trying to get better results. You're just very direct with what the expectations are, but you're always kind. It's never mean. You know, we had a, had a conversation with a team member that ended up deciding that this wasn't for them. You're just very clear and concise. And so I think a lot of our listeners believe that expectations are important, but they're so afraid of what's going to happen if they try to hold these people accountable. What, what would you say to these folks and, and give them some sort of peace of mind? Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair is to be direct. To be direct is to be fair. It's just not always easy to do. I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is to expedite. First of all, I think God created everybody to be great at something. It doesn't mean they're all going to be great at dominoes. And the longer I allow them to exist at mediocre in dominoes, I'm withholding them from finding their greatness. And so are they. And so I think that when we, when we look at it that way, First of all, I go in knowing I have a very big team to support what my decisions are. And sometimes those decisions, I know those decisions have ramifications on the whole team. And I, I don't take that for granted. But I also know that no matter what a person's decision is, I need to set the standard so they know what the expectation is. And I have to be prepared that they're not willing to meet the expectation and so I better be willing to do whatever job it is that they do because they might just walk. And I think we've seen that a few times now. We, we have had some walkers. <laughs> and so it's not my intention. My intention is to give them a fair understanding of what the expectation is and to let them know that I will be intense about that expectation because I want them to reach their goals and dreams just like I have. And the only way to do that is to be good at something. And so if they're not good at it, they should know sooner rather than later. And if they are good at it, they should know sooner rather than later. And so we can establish that by saying, I know what works. I know what has worked. Things will change and there'll be some variance to that. But if you're willing to walk this path with me, and here's the clearly defined path, we can get to a point of financial independence. But if you're not willing to, I cannot sacrifice the time because you are sucking up a position where someone is going to meet their life's dreams if they'll only get the chance to come in. And they can't do that if you're sitting in the chair. So I, I think the important thing for folks that are struggling with this that you just said is that we've got to set clear expectations because we certainly have had our share of folks that have made the decision to walk. But I think we've seen more people that when we've simply told them what the expectations were and then reminded them the next day and the next day and the next day, 
that they're willing to do it. They just simply need to, to be asked. You know, if we are so afraid of people walking that we're not going to ask them to do the dishes or stock the coat cooler or move with some sense of urgency. To me, the people that we want on our team are going to see a lack of leadership and go find somewhere else to work where the team is going to win. And we're going to be left with everything that was on the bottom of the barrel and everybody we wanted is going to be gone. Yeah. So when we open a store, we buy a store, we build a store. We don't need 30 employees. We don't need 20 employees. We don't need 15 employees. We need one leader. When you have one leader, which, which you mentioned, they will build the team to execute the plan. As long as we've developed that leader to understand what the standards are. And so what we have when there aren't standards met is you have a bunch of people working in the store and you don't know who's who. When you set the standard, then you realize who the leaders are. Do we have enough of them yet? No, because we haven't gone and set the standard in every location yet. But as we do, we will identify leaders for each of those locations. I just feel like if we were better, we could do it faster, but we aren't as good as we think we are sometimes. And so we're doing it at the pace in which we can handle. So as we set the standard, boom, we see a leader pop up. And that's been the biggest joy and the whole reason why we do this thing is because we want to see leaders pop up and then share with them a journey that we never thought we would be on. Some of the stories that you taught me earlier, that we were talking about earlier, no one would ever experience trying to go the normal way, so to speak, of life. There's no position that gets you there. But the Domino's guy gets you there just because that's the way it works. And so um, I think that is uh, something that, for me, and, and I know for you, it's really promising to see leaders pop out in the midst of controversy, right? In the midst of challenging times. Um, anyone can lead when everything's going great. It's much t- tougher when things are challenging, but, but that's the moment that leaders wait for, their opportunity to rise in the midst of adversity. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, you know, when I have the opportunity to talk to managers, I I tell them as I look back on my four decades of doing this, that to me, the most rewarding part of doing this was you get the opportunity over and over again to take young boys and girls and turn them into young men and women. And you have a chance as their leader to have more impact on them than than maybe they've ever had. It's just amazing to me. And, you know, as you say, the, um, the leaders will emerge. I'm going to make you laugh here. <laughs> so the leaders emerge and then we give them a different color shirt so everybody knows, right? So, the, the, yeah. so back in the day, the whole reason why everybody wears the same color shirts is, you know, when I started with Domino's, 19-year-old kid, I could afford... I had a, a car payment, an apartment payment, a girlfriend payment, and the girlfriend cost more than the, uh, the apartment and the car, just like everyone. 
And so all I had was Domino's uniforms as clothes. And so, and I'm working all day, every day. So I would go everywhere in my uniform for 31 years and, and for 38 for you. You either hear, where's my free pizza? Or did you bring my pizza? Or, you know, every other funny thing on how people look at you in the business. And so I've always, it was the, in my mind as a 19 year old kid, I used to think I can't wait to buy something other than Domino's uniforms. But over the years, as I just worked more and more and put my dedicated my life to my career in the early days, I realized it's not about me wanting to get out of the uniform. It was more about me being proud of wearing. And so if the only, and back then we all wore the same uniform because it was way too expensive to have two different color uniforms. So we had the white name tag and the shiny gold name tag. Right. And so I used to say, look, a shiny gold name tag does not make you the leader. It doesn't make you anything. It just means that you have the shiny gold name tag instead of the white name tag. And, um, and so it just ended up sticking with me that if we are one team, we should look like one team and our identifying factors should not be our uniform. They should be our leadership. And if someone can't walk into a restaurant and figure out who the leader is, there's probably not a leader there. Yeah. And so we got to get to where we could easily identify the leader. And it's not because they wear different color clothes. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, I, I don't do a whole lot of operational training anymore, mostly as leadership development. But when I am doing operational training, the best things I hear are not from the team that I'm training, but they're from the customers. I'll have a customer come up to the counter and we're interacting it and they'll look at me and they go, you own the place, don't you? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. But that's what our leaders have got to do. They've got to understand that they've got a stake in their restaurant and that when people come in, if they immediately identify them as the leader, they're doing it right. Yeah. And, and, and that's so, just so important. I was dealing with, Another client, they said, I've got a manager. I want you to come down and spend some time with them. And we took a field trip to an Applebee's. And I said, your goal is to figure out who the manager is within five minutes. And we were able to figure it out within 30 seconds. And that's what our customers need to do when they walk into the restaurant. They need to see somebody in charge, somebody that's motivating the team, somebody that's making sure that the pizzas are getting made when they're on the screen instead of worrying about something else. And I think that's just so, so important. But listen, we're, we're coming towards the end. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't uh, send out a huge thank you to every single team member that's in each and every one of these 21 stores, because we've talked about all the opportunity that we have, but I don't think we've done a, a good enough job of saying how great they're doing under the circumstances they had prior and how grateful we are for each and every one of them. Yeah, you know, awesome that you took the time to do this because one of the things we were having a discussion about something earlier, and we have a lot of team members and a lot of leadership with great intentions, sometimes even ourselves, sometimes that doesn't come across as good as it needs to be. And one thing I learned early on with Mr. Monahan was that my responsibility to him and the company was to know everything that was wrong in a restaurant. But my responsibility to the team is to know everything they're doing right and build upon that. 
without talking about what is wrong. And so that was something that uh, after we had talked that I realized that would be something to discuss with this particular team member was to say, hey, you are doing a great job in identifying the challenges and opportunities in our locations, in our stores. What we need you to do is build a team to execute page one. How you build the team to execute page one is find everything that every team member is doing well and build upon that, not upon what they're doing wrong. There are, of course, some no-goes. I walked into a store and said, no, we are not selling this pizza today. I went over there to drop off some uniforms. I ended up doing Pizza 101, but we never know what we're going to walk into. And there's some things that we can't allow, but how we approach that, I could have said, who made this pizza? You're all fired. Well, the girl that made the pizza had been there seven days and nobody showed her, right? The, the right way. And the manager was busy because we have all these tools that they have to, we have to attend to, right? And we had no tools. We only worried about product service image because we had nothing to attend to, right? And so at that moment, I realized, okay, we need to solve this. And so, you know, to all the team members that show up each and every day, thank you for all the things you are doing right. And we hope to be able to show you how this can be a mutually beneficial relationship to wherever life takes you. And we want to be a part of that journey. We want you to, we want to, we want hundred percent turnover. Everyone wants to figure out the magic bullet for no turnover. How do we get to 0% turnover? Easy. Don't hire anybody. Just be the only guy. You'll never have any turnover. And then the business won't go anywhere. But for us, we want to have 100% turnover. We just want them all to leave better than when they got. And that's got to be our objective. And so we're thankful and grateful for the ones that do show up and the ones that put on the uniform, the ones that make pizzas, deliver pizzas, and have a professional image. And they will be rewarded, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like that reward is proportionate to their efforts. One day it will be. For 20 years, I did the business, never made any money, and I was just as happy as the 10 years that we did. And it's just because we are constantly having progress with people. And as we would see them go on and live their life streams and goals, that really became the reward that we were waiting for, even though we were expecting a different reward in some sort of monetary sense. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they're still the heartbeat of the company. Whoever's out there in any store across the world, that's still who's producing the pizzas. It was said at the rally that the most important position in the company is that of the GM. That's absolutely true. And when we treat it like that, we will get the tools out of the way of the success. And we need to make sure that we get there quickly because there's GMs that really will drive the company. I always say in our business, there's been some incredible success stories, hundreds of them, thousands of them. And everything, Don May, a general manager who became king of the world, <laughs> of everything he's achieved, somebody someday in Domino's 
build achieve more, build more stores, franchise more people, give more opportunities and goals. That person might be in the store right now. And if we don't take care of them, we will lose them. And, and that's why I think it's so important to be thankful for the people that show up because we don't know who the next one is. You know, Drew and I did uh, a book review called Let Them Lead by John U. Bacon. In that book, John said, if you want to be successful, you've got to water all the flowers because you don't know which one is going to grow. So um, listen, Don, someone's gunning for you. <laughs> as a really tall mountain to climb. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, somebody. And Don's not giving it up. He's no. Not, he's not, he's not going to make it easy for him. No. He's, every day he's trying to make it harder. And, and which is what the Domino's Brotherhood and Sisterhood is about. Make it hard to catch. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, um, <laughs> he's putting a high bar up there. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much for the time. I, I, I truly, truly appreciate it. Listeners out there, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We would love it if you would like and share these episodes. And uh, as always, go out and sell more pizza and have more fun. That's all, folks.